Welcome in to the PFN Bengals podcast. My name is Dallas Robinson. I'm an NFL analyst here at Pro Football Network. I'm joined by Jay Morrison, our PFN Bengals writer. Jay, I think it's going to be a short episode because, unfortunately, I'm going to be boycotting most of your questions today. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so Jay, I think he's one of the most popular men in America right now. I think it's Taylor Swift and then Jay Morrison is number is number two right now. Name checked in every outlet across the country. Uh, obviously had a little dust up with Joe Mixon in practice this week, and I, you know, I think it's I think it's uh, I think the people want to hear your thoughts on what happened and and what led to that incident and and what Joe Mixon was thinking uh, when he when he said he wasn't going to take questions from you anymore. <laughs> Well, I, I, I have theories. I don't, I don't know for sure. I asked him when he, he, he pointed it out. He said, I'll not be taking questions from you. And he pointed at Ben baby and you Kelsey Conway. And they turned to the other side of the room and he said, you pointing at me. And then he pointed at James Rapine. And, and I said, can I ask why? And he said, you guys have been disrespectful. And, and then Ben asked how, and he said, you know how, and he started walking away. I, I, I honestly don't know where this comes from. I, I I pride myself on being fair and I don't, unless he just thinks some of this legal stuff shouldn't have been reported on. I don't know where this is coming from. And the other thing here is these guys, these players, even the coach, they don't read what we write. They don't watch this podcast. They, they get it all. (laughs) They might, they might, we don't know that for sure. They might watch this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, I walked up to to Mike Thomas uh, in the locker room the other day, and I told him I really enjoyed the story that Paul Daner Jr. wrote on him, um, and was, you know, a, a personality profile and just how important he is as a guy. And and he's like, "Oh yeah, thanks. I haven't had a chance to read it yet." And that was like a very positive, right. really cool piece. And he hadn't even read that. So I, Joe is getting this second, maybe even third hand. Someone told someone else who told Joe something was set. It's like a game of operator, you know, the kids game and the the message just gets skewed the further down the line it goes. And, you know, I I think a lot of it might be coming from his agent too. It's just, you know, nothing, nothing was out of line. Um, I don't, for the disrespect card, I, I've criticized him in past protection, but that's, you know, if you're an NFL player, you got to have thicker skin than that. You, you, you performance based stuff. You have to accept criticism when it, when it's warranted. And so I just, I don't know. It was, it was, it was surprising they, they had actually told us that morning when we came in that, um, that if we went up to talk to Joe, that, things are going to be different this year and bridges have been burned and he's not going to accept questions from certain media members. And I'm thinking, Hmm, I wonder who it's going to be. I know it's not me. Right. And then sure enough, <laughs> it, it was me. So I'm not, it's no big deal. I mean, players do this all the time. They, they, they're allowed to say, no, I'm not going to answer questions. Yeah. I just, I would like to have a conversation with them. And it's hard because if, anybody goes up to talk to him then the swarm is going to come in all the cameras everything else i would like to have a one-on-one conversation with him just to to know what where he feels the disrespect was and and maybe clear the air and and tell him hey something he read that he thought was from me wasn't from me or explain why i wrote just to just to have a better idea Mm -hmm. um he did talk yesterday and it was I, i was there right as it started so i was right in front of him and he said, you know, that he's, he's going to answer, he's going to talk to the media and the, those, the four of us that were banned 
are allowed to be in on those conversations. It's just, if we ask a question, he's just going to say next question. And I, I think that's going to be a bad look. If it happens, uh, none of us yesterday, we all kind of, we didn't want to ruin it for everybody else. So at least that was my thought process. So right. I, I stood there and I just listened to everything he had to say. I did not ask any questions. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's I, none of us that are in this profession ever want to be the story. And so it's unfortunate that that it came to that. Um, my phone obviously was blowing up all day. I can Sunday imagine. from friends and coworkers and, you know, other writers around the league, like what happened? And yeah. I, I, that's the, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> led to this. I would like to know. I would like to have a conversation with Joe and maybe it, maybe at some point, I'm usually the last one out of the media room every night. So, mm-hmm. and, and the media room is right across from the locker room where the players leave. So maybe if I happen to see him walking out one night, I'll walk out with him in more of a, a casual setting and say, Hey, can we just have a conversation man to man? I just want to ask you about this. And so it's, again, he, he has the right to do that. Uh, I, I would like to understand what's behind it, but as of right now, I don't know exactly what is behind it. Yeah, he, I mean, he absolutely has the right to talk to who he wants to and who he doesn't want to, but it is curious, right? Because, I mean, he's it's not like Joe Mixon hasn't been through off-field stuff before and had to deal with mm-hmm. being either criticized or even just have his off-field incidents written about, right? I mean, he's been through this 10 years ago yep. when he was in college. He, he knows what this is like, and, I mean, I've read – all your stories, Jay. I think you've been more than fair with everything with him, and I think the other reporters have too. I, I don't. I don't remember seeing anything that was out of line or, you know, talking in a disrespectful way about Joe Mixon. So, I, to, to me, I'm guessing it's just kind of everything coming to a head and everything that he's had to deal with off the field, him having to take a pay cut this off season. He's he's probably a little frustrated you now with how with how he's being portrayed in the media, just in general, not by any specific person, not by any specific story, but just kind of how what the narrative is around Joe Mixon this offseason. I can see him being a little frustrated and maybe taking it out on, on certain people, you included, but I it is interesting. I think you're probably right that he's getting all this information secondhand. He he's he's being told, hey, these people are saying this about you, these people are writing this about you, and kind of forming his own opinion from that. And that's fine if that's what he wants to do. But I you know I think I th- I think it, you're right. It's probably a bad look this whole season if he's not going to take questions from select people i probably not the way to go but uh we'll see we'll see how that how that sorts out throughout the season um we did get a positive update this week on joe burrow uh he yeah nothing nothing new from an on-field perspective but but zach taylor had some comments that i think were very positive and you know i think you and i have talked that we're not doubting that joe burrow will be back for week one i think we've thought that from the very beginning, but it's good to hear from, from Zach Taylor about exactly where Joe Burrow is in his progress. Yeah. And especially because it's, it's new, it's everything he's, he's continually leaned on that several weeks from when I said several weeks. And this, this was a little different. This was the first time that he really kind of spoke positively about the, the progress and said, he looks as good as he's ever looked just walking around the building, which obviously there's a big difference between that and playing football, Mm -hmm. but you know, you you hear whispers that he, that he is taking part in stuff behind the scenes. It's just out on the field to practice when the media, when the fans are there, although the fans aren't there anymore. But um, he, he's not doing the full speed practices, but he is taking part, throwing, doing drills and, and, and working on his own. And and possibly there there have been hints that he's been doing the walkthroughs as well. So it, it's all moving in the right direction. And I think for Zach to come out and say anything 
I, I think is a, is a good sign because, you know, I don't, it, maybe some people haven't been following the Bengals since Zach got here. It might be some newer fans with the recent mm-hmm. success, but if the, the people that have been following the team for a while, know Zach's very first practice was 2019 at welcome stadium in Dayton and AJ green goes down and ends up missing the entire season. And, and Zach was, I think he learned a lot that, that year from yeah. he, he was, he tried to be too honest with the, the prognosis with AJ green. And you just, you can't do that with an injury because there's there's setbacks, there's acceleration. Sometimes the timeline come, they get back sooner than you yeah. expect, and it's it just makes sense to say kind of take it the way he is. People get upset and they think that he's snowballing it, but a lot of it's there is it's not an exact science. Medicine is not an exact science, and so it, I, I do get why they have been reticent to to give a lot of updates. So when they do. Yeah. say something like that then that that lets you know that they are feeling pretty comfortable and you know there's there's the competitive advantage to it too i mean you don't want the the brown you want the browns guessing going into week one and so uh they're, 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 this all plays into it but i i think yesterday was the the biggest sign yet that we're going to see joe burrow on september 10th in cleveland yeah and i think it's better to under promise and over deliver right like it yeah. there's there's no reason to get too too excited about Burrow's progress and then say, oh, he's suffered a setback. It's just let's keep everything on the kind of straight and narrow. And when he's back, he's back. And yeah, I think you and I are expecting he'll be back for Cleveland. And if Joe Burrow is not available for week one against Cleveland, I think the Bengals could have a real problem, right? Because neither Jake Browning nor Trevor Simeon has been very impressive in the preseason. And I know it's just the preseason and they're not playing against starters, but that I could honestly make it even worse because their numbers have not been great. Their performance has not been great. Um, Where do you think this backup quarterback battle stands? Do you think they'll maybe go for an outside contender? Because Brandon Allen, who backed up Joe Burrow for the past few years, is not going to make the roster in San Francisco. They they have three quarterbacks. He's the fourth clear fourth quarterback. He's not going to make the team. Is he someone they would consider? Would they consider going with another outside option? Where, where do you, what's the, what's the, where does everything stand with the backup quarterback battle? Yeah. I, I mean, I think if they do go outside, Brandon Allen is the guy. And I know yeah. I kind of went the other way from that last week, but something Zach said yesterday about anything is feasible. Mm-hmm. And then he also went on to say about how complex their system is and how hard it would be for somebody new to come in and get up to speed at this point. You know, as we, we record this, we're 18 days from the season opener. But Brandon Allen could do that. He's been here ever yeah. since Joe Burrow's been here. He knows this system. He could step in and, and do that. I don't think that's their intention, that they would much prefer that that one of these guys steps forward this week in practice and then Saturday at Washington and wins the job. And Zach has talked about he he is encouraged by the progress they're making, and they're not where they want him to be yet. But he, he has seen growth throughout camp. Uh, in terms of comprehension of the offense, accuracy, all that, but it's still not where it needs to be. And, you know, if they're looking for this final week to to be the the time when somebody really steps forward, it's off to a rocky start because yesterday in practice, there was interceptions all over the place. Mm. There was a lot of a lot of pressure, a lot of sacks. And now part of that was because they, we, we haven't, Marvin used to do this all the time. We have not seen Zach do it a lot in training camp, but they were going ones against twos. So when you put 
the two offensive line out there against the number one defensive line, obviously it's going to be problems for whoever's back there quarterback. And they did flip them yesterday. Both those guys took terms with the ones yesterday in practice. I think we're going to see that continue throughout the week, but yeah, it's, I mean, you, 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 I mean, people think, well, they're in trouble anyhow, if, if anything happens to Joe Burrow, regardless of who the backup quarterback is. And there's, there's some truth to that. But the other thing is people forget, you know, there could be a concussion, you know, he could just get his bell rung in a game and they, they force him to leave and he's fine. And he only misses a half, but are, you know, if, if you're in a a game and it's whether you're winning or losing, are you comfortable having to put either one of these guys in there to try to win that game for you? And I just, I don't know that that's the case. I, that is mission. Number one, have one of these guys win it this week, but I, I would still keep an eye on Brandon Allen. Like you said, I don't think he's going to make the 49ers roster and, um, the thing is there, though, we're, we're talking about 18 days. Um, by the time cuts come, it's going to be down to 11. Cuts yeah. are a week from today, and they're not going to cut him before that. So then he's he's really kind of coming in and trying to catch up fast because even though he's yeah. been in this offense for a long time, there's still new stuff that they've installed. I wonder if it's something they could do where they would keep either Browning or Simeon as the backup and maybe convince Brandon Allen to come on the practice squad. And, and just get him kind of acclimated, get him back in the system and say, hey, we'll give our whoever we choose as the backup. We'll give him a few weeks, see how practice looks. And you're here in case of emergency. I, mean, I, I don't know if that's something they would consider. I don't know if that's something Brandon Allen would want to do. But if he doesn't have any other options, maybe he'd be interested in coming back. Um, I was going to say that'd be dicey because once you get into you know regular season mode with practice, right. that that practice squad quarterback's running the, the scout team. That's and true. He's running the other team's offense, and so I, I don't know that they would they would split second team reps. Mm-hmm. Even the even the backup quarterbacks don't get a lot of reps sure. once sure. you get into regular practice. So um, it, it, it's it's for all those reasons they want Trevor or Jake to say, "Hey, this is my job and take it this week." But yeah. Um, there's a long way to go before that happens. I think it's interesting that you what you talked about in terms of if Joe Burrow goes down for the season, the season is over. But if but if the Bengals need a backup to come in for one game, is there a guy between Browning and Simeon who's better for that? I think when you look at how they performed in the preseason, Browning just makes things happen a little more than Trevor Simeon, right? He's a little more creative. He can move outside the pocket. I think maybe he provides a little more of that spark that you kind of want in a backup quarterback. Uh, I was just pulling up some of the numbers from PFF from through two preseason games. And Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon have both had similar number of dropbacks. Browning's dropped back 46 times, Simeon 42. Browning is averaging two point or two yards per attempt more than Simeon. He has thrown more tur- turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF. But I think the interesting thing is how much he just makes things happen. He scrambled five times. He has the 11th highest rushing grade among all QBs this preseason. Trevor Simeon has not scrambled a single time. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. No. Um, but I think I think Trevor or Jake Brenning is, this, is the type of guy who can come in for a series, for a drive, for a quarter, for a half, and maybe get something done. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not comfortable with either of these quarterbacks, but I, I think it's good probably that this is like one of the key questions on the roster because so many teams around the NFL would be happy if backup quarterback was one of their top questions heading into the regular season. There there just aren't a lot of depth questions on this Bengals roster, and to have it be a backup quarterback I think is probably a positive sign, uh, even if we're not happy with the options that are 
that are currently on the field. But yeah, I, I'm curious to see how both how both quarterbacks play on Friday. I, if you had to lean one way, are you are you leading Browning? I think you had Browning in your most recent uh, 53 yeah. man roster projection. I think that's the way I'm leaning too. But I wouldn't be surprised if if this week's performance changes changes the outlook. If if Trevor Simeon has a really good game and kind of improves his accuracy and plays with rhythm. I think that's the type of things that the Bengals are looking for. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if things change based on this week, but I, but I have to be leaning Browning right now. Yeah. I mean, Simeon's got better arm talent. He's got Absolutely. the stronger arm and he's got the starting experience in this league and, and all of that, but you're right. I mean, Browning just, he's one of those gamers where we, yeah. when the lights come on and he plays, I remember last year in the preseason, it was like, Whoa, this guy, this guy is, this guy might beat out, Brandon Allen and and I and a lot of it was his scrambling ability it's like wow he really made some plays with his feet and I went back and I looked he had 33 rushing yards in the preseason last year he had 50 alone on Friday night against the Falcons so and if it is an issue if if and it has been in the past and we don't expect it to be this year we expect the the offensive line to have much better protection Mm -hmm. but if the offensive line is still having protection issues then then you probably do want a guy like Jake Browning back there that can make plays with his feet and on the run and all of that um I just yeah I I've got I think I've had him there my last two 53 man projections Mm -hmm. it just seems like he's he's further ahead and I, there was assumption when they signed Trevor Simeon that it was going to be he was going to win that job, and it just yeah. hasn't happened. And I, I think that speaks volumes that it that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and I so I looked at the numbers on how many pressures each quarterback has taken. Browning has taken twenty three pressures this preseason. It's the most in the NFL. Now, some some of these counting stats can be a little weird in the preseason because the Bengals are only playing two quarterbacks. A lot of teams are playing four quarterbacks in the preseason, mm-hmm. so some of these counting stats will take with a grain of salt, but. He's taken 23 pressures. He's only taken three sacks. That is one of the lowest sack to pressure ratios in the entire preseason this year. So, yeah. like you said, I think that that's interesting. He can make things happen back there. He can avoid pressure if it's coming. Um, I, I think I think he's a little more just kind of flexible and malleable on what he can do on the back end. Trevor Simeon's a little more rigid. We know who Trevor Simeon is. We know exactly what he's done in the NFL. Jake Browning, a little more untapped upside. Does that come with risk? We all saw the interception against the Falcons and, and, and that throw and that decision making. Obviously, it comes with risk, but I but I think if you're looking for upside, I think Jake Browning's probably the guy. Yeah, I agree. Let's go on. Let's talk about the offensive line because I think that's the other issue on this roster where there's a lot of questions. Um, starting five is not a question. We know who the starting five offensive linemen are, but who are going to be the backups? How many offensive linemen are they going to keep? I believe they've kept 10 offensive linemen the past two years. Um, if they do that this year, they're obviously looking for five backups. I think we've got six guys who are competing for four to five spots. We've got Jackson Carmen, Max Sharping, Dante Smith, Cody Ford, who has a concussion, uh, Trey Hill, and Hakeem Adeniji. Who do you like out of that group? Who do you think is falling out? Um, and do you think they'll end up keeping nine or 10 guys? I, I think a lot of the discussion has been around Jackson Carmen and where if he's actually going to make this roster and his performance. I have a hard time thinking they're not going to keep him around. Uh, just because of the draft pick they invested in, yes. I still think he's probably the most naturally talented of all of all these backup options. He can still do work as a, as a sixth offensive lineman, as a, as a big tight end. And he can play left tackle. I think he's shown that in games. 
Where do, where do you think he stands and where do you think the rest of this group stands right now? Um, he he's he's on the edge. Jackson is. I mean, it was really interesting. I, I should have gone back and looked at this. I don't remember last time uh, a Bengals player played every single snap in a preseason game. And they had Jackson do that yeah. uh, Friday night against Atlanta. And I asked Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, about that. And he said, he said, the only way to get better at playing football is to play football. And so <laughs> it, it's clear they want more from him. But Frank was Frank. I, I said, well, did he take a little step forward from from week one against Green Bay? And he said he took a big step forward. And they were they, and, and Zach echoed that they were both really pleased with what they saw from him in that game. Um, not maybe not pleased, but encouraged that, yeah. the, that the progress was going back in the, in the right direction. But then, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the show, yesterday at practice when they were doing ones versus twos it was rough Jackson and and a lot of the offensive line struggle but Jackson Carmen in particular struggled against top line defensive pass rushers so I don't know I the the real interesting thing here is the the emergence I guess you would say of Cody Ford when they signed him it seemed like yeah here's a guy with history in the league and he, he would be a good tackle guard combination and and he just didn't look it in in the offseason and and early in camp and then Frank Pollock said when the pads came on, everything changed. He hmm. just he just had this presence and, and he just played so much better. And so I, I, I almost got him as a lock to make the team right now. Now he he suffered a concussion in practice Sunday. Those you never know how long those things linger. I wouldn't expect it to be anything that would go up to a cut down day a week from today, but you know, possibly he could start the season on IR if it is a lingering thing. If it happened in practice, you wouldn't think that would be the case. So I've got him making it. I still think he's more of a, more of a versatile piece. I think what what you're really talking about here is the swing tackle who a guy that can come in and play left or right. And is that Jackson Carmen or is that Deontay Smith? Um, And it just Deontay Smith, I think is ahead of Jackson Carmen at this point, but Jackson Carmen's got that, that pedigree you mentioned, the physical profile, they keep waiting for this light to go on. Yeah. They keep hammering home the consistency piece of it. So I don't, you know, you you don't really know. It's not like they come out and say this is our swing tackle right. you know, that you don't know until you know until there's an until injury. it happens. Yeah, right. Uh, the the real interesting thing here, I think, is uh, I, I think I've had Trey Hill on the on the fifty three this whole time, and I think he's a guy that that maybe they cut and keep around on the practice squad because. You cut Jackson Carmen, someone probably is going to claim him, or Cody Ford, maybe yeah. even Deontay Smith, these guys that were higher draft picks. Trey Hill was a, a later-round pick, a six-round pick. He's not done much in the league. What he has done in the league, the tape is not good. Um, they still do like his potential, but if if they can get away with going with nine, which it seems now they're using Max Sharping at guard and center, and a lot at center as as with each passing day. So I, I think, you know, you've got, you've got him that can play an interior spot. Carmen can go in there in an interior spot. If he has to Ford can go in and play guard. So I think it kind of makes Trey Hill expendable because wide receivers get really crowded. I do think they would like to keep seven there. Yeah. Uh, and Stanley Morgan's the, the odd man out in terms of being a receiver, but he's so valuable on, on special teams. And he's a guy that if, if they, if they did cut and bring back on the practice squad, they would probably elevate him every single Sunday just to get him in there for his, his special teams. And you can eliminate the the need to do that by keeping seven, keeping right. Stanley around. And I, I think you would be safe stashing Trey Hill on the practice squad. 
I, I think that's probably right. There's going to be a roster crunch somewhere. I, that's, yeah. I think the thing that I noticed from looking at this roster is the Bengals are going to lose some good players, I think, this at cutdown day. And whether that they get lucky enough to put them on the practice squad or whether they lose a couple guys on waivers, it, it's so different from where they were in previous years where they're at the top of the waiver order and they're looking to claim guys. Raymond Johnson, I think, is a guy who's like played so well this offseason. Yeah. I think he's going to go to another team. Like, Lots of teams need edge dev. Um, he, he's been incredible this year. There's there's defensive line talent on this team that's going to be scooped up elsewhere. Um, but on the offensive line, yeah, I think Cody Ford, I, I when they signed him, I thought, okay, he's a roster lock. This is a former second-round pick. This is a guy who can play multiple positions. He's been in multiple schemes. I think he's been a lot better at guard than tackle. Which is yeah. fine because I because I think they need a, a backup interior lineman, but he's gotten so much praise from the coaching staff that I think you're right. It's hard to discount that he's going to make the roster. It's when coaches talk about a guy this much, it, they obviously like him, and the mm-hmm. Bengals coaching staff has a huge input on on transactional decisions. Um, yeah, I think Trey Hill is probably a guy you could could get away with cutting. He's not doesn't have a ton of experience in this league. I don't think he's going to exactly be um, a top priority for a lot of teams. So I, I think in this scenario, so Hakeem Adeniji, you don't think will make the team. He's the one guy I think that's been here, that that's played, that the team knows who he is. And maybe that's why he hasn't seen as, seen as much time in the preseason because the team knows what they have in him. But he hasn't been good when he's been on the field, when he's been asked to contribute. So I think maybe yeah. that they're, they're, they will move on from him. So I, I think I agree. Carmen, Sharping, Smith, and Ford is who we have right now making the roster behind the top five. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, hopefully none of them will have to play very much, but if they do, I think this is probably the best depth they've had in quite a few seasons along the offensive line, and that's not even factoring in that Lael Collins could join uh, four or six weeks in, eight weeks in, something like that. It's got to be the best offensive line they've had since at least 2015 in terms of starting, and then in terms of depth, it, it's got to be right up there. I think just having guys you think they could at least come in and play a role, I, th- I think they're they're pretty they're pretty well solidified there. Yeah, when I talked to Frank, that was one of the things I wanted to ask him about was how comfortable he was with the depth and mm-hmm. and you know, he obviously didn't want to go into who's ahead of who and and where guys slot, but he said the same thing. He said the depth is as good as it's been since I've been here and then he followed it up and said by a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's it is noticeable. Um so I think there is some I don't know if comfort's the right word because right. they, they still haven't looked good in that. That group hasn't looked good in the preseason. But when you're talking about backups, you're not talking about as a whole. You're not throwing them all in there at once. Right. You put you put any one of those guys in there with four starters and, you know, they, the, the starters can kind of bring them along and and, and hide them a little bit. So yeah. I do. I, I think that this. Starting talent-wise, it's as good of an offensive line as they've had in, in probably since 2015. And then depth-wise, you know, maybe about that same time. Yeah. Definitely in the Zach Taylor era, this is the most depth they've had. And, and we haven't even mentioned, you know, Jonah Jonah Williams's positional flexibility, too, if something were to happen to Orlando Brown. And Jonah looked great. Jonah, obviously, we didn't talk about it. He was the only, the only offensive starter to play against the Falcons. Looked great. Um, I think that was probably to be expected, but... I, I think to have him as a backup left tackle, I think is really valuable too. So got to feel good about where the offensive line is, especially, you know, Hakeem Adeniji and Isaiah Prince starting in a Super Bowl a few years ago to where they are now. I think it is a massive improvement. I think you have to feel yeah. good about it. 
And uh, Quentin Spain. Quentin Spain started. And Quentin that Spain. Too. And Quentin Spain. out of the league. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, I think the other position to talk about on offense is tight end. Uh, yeah. We know Irv Smith is going to make the roster. We know Drew Sample is going to make the roster. Assuming they just keep three tight ends, I think I think there probably is a real battle now because Mitchell Wilcox is back off the physically unable to perform list. Um, there's also Tanner Hudson on the roster and Devin Asiasi, who was here last year. I it's it's a tight end three role. It's not exactly the most glamorous role in the team. It's going to be mostly special teams, but Mitchell Wilcox is back. Is he guaranteed a roster spot now, or is he going to have to fight for that this week? I don't think he's guaranteed, but I also don't think he has to fight for it. I I, I think something might would have to happen again. Unfortunate yeah. um, for for him to not make it. I was surprised. I mean, it got this late in camp, and I thought for sure they were just going to roll with him on pup yeah. for the start of the season, kind of stash him for four weeks, uh, and that's not the case. They brought him back yesterday. He looks great. Um, you know, he, he talked. I talked to him yesterday about the injury, and he's not even sure what he did. He's not even he's not even sure he thinks he it happened in the Kansas City regular season game, but he doesn't even know. He had no idea That's he so even weird. had an issue until he did his his exit physical, and they found something wrong, and he had to have surgery, which he said was a routine procedure, but it was a long recovery. And yeah. it a guy going into free agency, coming off the best year of his career, he said it was a kick in the gut. Um, I I think he's you, we're we're talking. Irv Smith, Drew Sample, and Mitch Wilcox. I just – Sample doesn't give you much in the pass game, yeah. but he is a core special teamer. He's he's out there on a lot of those special teams with Darren, and I, I don't think you have to worry about Tanner Hudson getting plucked. If you cut him, he, he'll go back on the practice squad. He'll be a guy that will be available. He showed some real promise in that game against Green Bay. He had four catches, 26 yeah. yards on – only four targets, and then he gets the unfortunate concussion. He's back working now, but I just think it's too much of a hill to overclimb with with Mitch Wilcox being back. And they liked what Wilcox did last year. He was he was solid as a blocker. He he gave Joe a target in the pass game. Yeah. Um, so I I do I think that's your three tight ends at this point. Now that Mitch Wilcox is back, it's it's crazy. He comes back, you know, eighteen days before cuts and or eighteen days before the season starts, a week before cuts. But it's just he's. He's got he's he's shown that much already from last year and the fact that he's he's back and they didn't ease him back in. It was his first day at practice yesterday. It's not like, oh, we'll just have him do individuals. He was in there on teams. He was doing 11-11. He was doing everything yesterday and he looked great. And I think Tanner Hudson's probably a guy who could be on the practice squad. Uh, I, yeah. I think they would like him on there. Maybe Asiasi too, just because of his familiarity with, with this offense and being here, I think he could be a guy they would maybe consider holding on to, but It'll be interesting. Um, what else should we look for this week in the in the final preseason game? I don't think we're going to see any starters. I think the number one thing to watch is obviously the backup quarterback battle. And yeah. we talked about it earlier, but can either Simeon or Browning make waves and, and try and put themselves in first place in that race? We'll see. We'll see. Oh, we don't know. Um, the offensive line battle is something to watch. What about the running back battle? Let's, let's touch on that real quick. I think Chris Evans is probably in line to be the backup running back at this point. I think he's looked decently in pass protection, but I think Chase Brown has, has showed some stuff too. The, the thing is that I, I think the Bengals know who their four running backs are going to be that make the roster, and they don't have to declare, hey, this guy's our number two running back. They can they can mix and match them. They can play all of them if they want in, in different capacities. Um, I do wonder if Travion Williams is going to be back in time for the regular season or if he's maybe a cons, uh, consideration for injured reserve to start the season and if they would start – keep three running backs and maybe try and 
go heavy at a different position. But um, I think Chris Evans has probably moved into that into that pass down role at this point. But I wouldn't be surprised if Chase Brown sees sees a lot of run too. Yeah, I could see Chase being you know Joe's back, Joe Mixon's back up yeah. on on you know the the early downs, and then Chris Evans. He's, I mean, he's come a long way. He's, I don't think he's where they want him to be yet, but he's looked good in pass protection and he's, he's running the ball with much more authority and, and, and hitting the hole and, and then making the cutbacks that, you know, showing good vision and making those when he, when they're there, as opposed to just bouncing all over the place and like hunting yeah. and pecking, looking for a hole. Um, so he's, he's come a long way that in that regard, he's always been a weapon as a receiver. He's a good route runner. He's got good hands. You 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 get him on a linebacker, and you're going to win that that matchup almost every time. So I do. I think of all the guys, he's he's come the furthest um, it, through o- OTAs and camp. And I do. I think he. I didn't have him on my 53 the first one, um, yeah. and, and now I think he's a lock to to be as a part of that group. And the Travion Williams injury plays a role in that. And you you mentioned it. I do. I do. I think that. There's a good chance he they could just put him on IR to start the season. It only means the first three weeks. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a deemed to be a week to week injury when it happened. The the sprained ankle. He's he's been out at practice every day doing rehab work, but he he hasn't been back to actually practice yet. Um, time's getting short, so it would be interesting to see what they do there. But yeah, Chase Brown, Joe Mixon, Chris Evans locks for this roster. I, I, Chris Evans has got to be one of the players I'm most excited to watch just during this regular season, if only because, you know, I think Joe Burrow, when he was at LSU, basically made Clyde Edwards Hilaire a first round pick because he was so accurate on screen passes and dump offs and check down passes. And I think Chris Evans could be that same type of weapon, right? I, I, I think he's demonstrated that as a wide receiver that he can get, get open out of the backfield. He can split out wide. He could probably play in the slot. I think there's room for a weapon like that in this offense that we haven't really seen the past few years. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he can do. And and I think Chase Brown can play that role too. I just think Chris Evans is a little more developed right now, as you'd expect from him being in the, in the league a couple more years. So I'm curious to see how that, how that shakes out. And if, and if Williams goes on, goes on injured reserve, do you think the Bengals would sign another running back or they would just roll with Mixon, Evans and Brown? I, I, either way, whether Travion does or not, I think they are going to have their eye on the waiver wire. And they, it, if you mentioned him, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, yeah. uh, he's kind of on the bubble in Kansas City. And yeah. if he gets let go, he will. Joe Burrow would love to have him here. Um, so, and there, there's other guys out there still too. Where um, I, I think if they if they sign someone off of waivers, a running back or a tight end are probably the two most likely positions. You know, it, it's it's was strange last year because they were 31 on the waiver wire coming yeah. off of the Super Bowl runner up and they still got three guys and, and guys that that helped them um, last season. So there there are pieces to be found. And it's it, it I do think that they're going to be players on the waiver while they, they've, they've got this flexibility where maybe they keep a guy on the 53. But if there's if there's somebody better that comes available the yeah. next day, then that that guy gets whacked and and moves on to the practice squad. So um, I do, I, we, we, like I said, we saw it last year, three guys off the waivers the day after cut downs. And um, I I think they will be players in that regard again this year. And I think running back is interesting because 
that, that's a position where you can add someone like in season if you need to, right? The, the, a running back isn't going to have to come in and learn too much complexities about the offense. They'll have to pick up some terminology and some protection stuff. But I think if the Bengals aren't happy with how their running back room is progressing as the season goes along, there are guys like in free agency at all times who could come in and step in and, and play a yeah. role and, and do something for the Bengals if they decide, hey, Chris Evans isn't developing like we thought, Chase Brown isn't able to hold up in pass protection or whatever the issue may be. I think that there are usually options at that position. It's not like you're trying to find an offensive tackle or something like that where the, there's guys just not available. There are always running backs out there if if the Bengals decide they want to add somebody. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's about all we have this week. I'm excited for this week's game. I am excited about the quarterback battle. Well, excited might be the wrong word, but cu- yeah, curious. Let's not go crazy, Dallas. <laughs> curious to see what happens. Um, Jay, anything else? Anything else from you? I know it's been an eventful week. Uh, anything else? Anything else you're looking forward to from the rest of this week and, and heading into the final preseason game ahead of cutdowns? Just can they get in the end zone? I mean, yeah, 21 straight possessions without a touchdown before they got that last one. Um, you, you would like to see some more of that. They have not scored much at all. This preseason, um, what they're averaging 16 points per game. I looked it up. If if they if it stays at that, it would be the ninth lowest preseason in Bengals history in terms of average points per game. That's that's never a good sign. Those previous years when they they had those low those low point totals, they they only once did they finish in the in the top half of the league in, in total offense. So it's you can say preseason doesn't matter all you want, but that's when you're talking results um, when you're talking about actually moving the ball and production. And I know none of the starters have played on offense except for Jonah for a few snaps, but it's still, that's, that's been the case for a long time when they haven't been playing and they've still been able to, to put up points and move the ball. And it, it is, it's concerning that, that it hasn't happened so far. So that is it. I, I just want to see not so much who the pieces are out there. I just want to see this offense get something going on Saturday in Washington. It'd be nice to see. It'd be nice to see if it can happen. Um, hopefully, Browning or Simeon can can lead a drive that gets into the end zone. We we shall see. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll talk about the final preseason game. We'll talk about the quarterback battle and everything that happens. We'll talk about cutdowns and who's on the roster, who's not. Uh, Jay, thanks so much for for today's conversation. Thank you everyone for watching. Uh, make sure you. Give us a review on any podcast platform that you're listening on. And if you're on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. And we will be back on the PFN Bengals podcast next week.